1: Hey everybody, it's Dan. Before we get to our podcast, as always, let me tell you about Football Insider because you should be checking out Football Insider. You get access to all those exclusive stories that you find on cleveland.com slash Browns, but there's more to it than just that. You get a newsletter in your inbox every day and it's got something exclusive that our Browns beat team writes that doesn't go anywhere on the website. It only goes in the newsletter delivered directly to you, and you have an opportunity to get involved in our texting subscription service, which includes texts from Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, and me throughout the day on the latest Browns news analysis. We do post—I'm sorry—we do pre-game chats, post-game. That's what I was going to get to. Uh, we have a post-game show for our text subscribers, and also we have a texter on every week to pick games. So, Football Insider. A lot of opportunities to be involved in the podcast, interact with all of us. You should check it out. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Now, here's our podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Podcast. I am Dan Lobby joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you?
0: I'm doing really well today, Dan. How you doing?
2: Doing well, and also joined by Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Feel like I've been doing podcasts all day here today, one gonna, after another. Just let's go. I was going to
1: say you're in the uh, you're in the Ellis Williams role from last week when we had him on right after uh, the guy to watch to the tape was was recorded. So we're keeping you guys busy. Uh, I put out a call for our football insider subscribers uh, and uh, who are also getting our texts, of course. That's part of the package. You want to check that out? Sign up for it. Um, I put out a call out to see what questions they had about the Browns today. Now, before we get to that, I want to let everybody know that we'll have Terry Pluto in the second half of the pod. But before we get to Terry, let's answer some questions from our football insider subscribers. And, and look, I knew this was going to be a topic. I think we all kind of knew this was going to be a topic when Odell Beckham got hurt. This question about Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham. And, you know, there's, some longer ways people have asked this but here's the most efficient way from the 330 area code is losing Odell Beckham possibly less stress for Baker Mayfield in some ways another way to ask that is is it ultimately maybe better for Baker Mayfield to not have Odell Beckham out there i think it's maybe a complicated answer because just my my initial answer is just no cuz Odell is Odell but there are probably some areas where you know, if Baker doesn't have to focus on getting the ball to Odell, it could be beneficial. What do you think,
0: Mary Kay? You know what, it is a very, very complicated answer. I have never really thought that Baker and Odell had any real good chemistry together. And therefore, uh, you know, in some ways, I do think that maybe Baker Mayfield might function a little better uh, without Odell, you know, being someone that he feels that he has to get the ball to. Or, you know, that has to always be his first read or whatever. But having said that, I just need to make it perfectly clear. I think that Odell Beckham Jr. has Hall of Fame talent. I have been mystified as to why these two guys really don't have uh, the chemistry that you would think two talented football players like that should have. Uh, So this is not, uh, in saying that, it's not in any way, shape, or form a knock against Odell. After the opener, I wrote that, you know, I just wondered if if Baker was going to be the guy here, should they consider maybe trading Odell? Because I just wasn't sure it was ever going to come together between those two guys. And I still sort of feel that way at times.
2: Yeah, I think I mean to be clear off the top, the Browns are worse off without Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we've ever really got a clear sense of how it was supposed to look with him and Landry on the field together, like how that uh dynamic was supposed to work how the catches were supposed to work it never really became clear and there were too many situations where it was obvious they were trying to get the ball to Odell I mean in week one at the end of the first half they threw a bubble screen you know play that Kevin Stefanski never calls because they wanted to get the ball to Odell because he didn't have a target at that point uh, so you don't have that anymore and maybe in some way uh having a clear maybe more set all right this is your number one guy this is number two and so on Maybe that's easier for Baker. I don't know. But um, the Browns are worse off without Odell. However, if your offense, and I said this about losing Nick Chubb, if your offense can't function, if they could, if can only function with Odell and Jarvis, then you got a problem. Like you should be able to be okay with maybe just one of those guys. You shouldn't need two, uh, you know, Pro Bowl talent wide receivers for your offense to work. So it's the same way with Chubb and Hunt. You know, even without Nick Chubb, your offense should still work.
1: Yeah, I don't know if there's a a clear black and white answer for a lot of the reasons that that you both mentioned. I I think there's going to be a point this season where you're going to miss Odell Beckham, where you just don't have that guy who can take a handoff against Dallas and turn what should have been a catastrophic loss into a 50-yard touchdown run. You, You just, you know, you don't have that. Now, you know, you're going to get a guy like Nick Chubb back. We know his big playability. You know, you hope Kareem Hunt starts to get healthier and healthier, too. We know what he can do. Jarvis, you know, we know what he's able to do as well. But Odell just brings a different dynamic, I think, than all of those guys. Even Chubb, who we know when Chubb gets into the second level, it could turn into an 80 or 90-yard run. Um, but Odell just brings this different dynamic. And I'm curious to see how defensive coordinators approach this until – you know either the browns find somebody to be that deep threat or donovan people's jones steps up to be that deep threat however they do it i'm curious to see how defensive coordinator's kind of adjust as the browns run this play action heavy offense and, and you know if they maybe sneak some guys up if they don't have to respect the deep ball as much that that's really i guess what i'm watching
0: well you, you know you have to game plan for odell beckham junior and a defensive coordinator has got to figure out how to double team him or do whatever roll coverage to him, do whatever it takes. Uh, he take, can take the top off of a defense. He could do so many different things. So I'm sure defensive coordinators would say, Oh my goodness, there no way are they possibly any better without Odell Beckham Jr. And it does sound preposterous, uh, but it just really kind of, you know, comes down to the fact that look, he only had 23 catches. Now he did so many other things and got things, so open for other guys and you know blocked well downfield and all of that kind of stuff Uh, but the fact that there just wasn't the magic that we all thought there would be between baker and odell you know i still sometimes wonder going forward it does it make sense to to have these guys uh, together anymore
1: okay let's uh let's get to some more questions here Uh, There's two that kind of go hand in hand. So I'll start with this one from the 440 area code. When you look at the Browns defense, the question is, what position on defense is the Browns greatest need and how do they fill it? Uh, There's probably two pretty obvious candidates here, uh, but I'll let you guys answer this one before I do. What do you consider the Browns biggest defensive need? And is it something that they can fill
2: either at the trade
1: deadline or maybe on the roster already? Scott, you go.
2: Uh, wow. This is a toss up. I would say uh, a linebacker who is solid in coverage. That's something they really don't have Malcolm Smith's trying to fill that role and he's better than anyone else. They got available at the moment. Um, but they clearly need to upgrade that. And the other spot would be it's, I guess it depends on how you want to use Ronnie Harrison. You could just say free safety or strong safety because he's played both, but basically the safety spot other than Ronnie, Ronnie Harrison. Um, those are two big needs and, you know, who would fill maybe both those roles is Grant Delpit, but uh, he's not here. So maybe they kind of do have it filled. He's just not, you know, able to play this year, but those, I think are the two, I think glaring things this team needs to address.
0: You know, one of the things that I have been thinking about, and I wrote a little bit, just a little bit about it, uh, for this morning or like later last night was the fact that, uh, you know, nobody else on this team, besides Miles Garrett, nobody has more than two and a half sacks. Sheldon Richardson has two and a half, and Adrian Claiborne has two. Olivier Vernon has none, and Larry Oganjobi has none. And I think that's one of the most surprising things to me about that defensive front this season. I did think that Olivier Vernon was going to be more productive in, in the pass rush in the sack department. I really thought so. And, you know we've seen in the past Larry Gajobi you know he gets a nice push up the middle and uh, now we've they've had some injuries these guys have have been in and out of the lineup with injuries and that has hurt them Adrian Claiborne has been hurt uh, this season so they've been pretty banged up maybe it will change when they come off the bye. but to this point um, you know I that's I think been one of the most disappointing things is the lack of a pass rush besides miles and it puts a lot of pressure on miles and uh you know i, I would say that you know it's, it's it's hard i mean like you can't go out trading for yannick nagakwe now that's too late the the baltimore ravens already did that there's not a bunch of pass rushers sitting around but they have to find a way uh, to get to the quarterback other than miles gary
1: okay so that that brings up kind of a, a two-part question then off, off of that though the one i was originally going to ask is you know can, can they scheme this up, right? Or is it just sort of, are we just to the point where the scheme is what it is? And maybe you just don't have the talent level yet, as far as whether it's the pass rush, or the, the issues in the secondary, you know, things like that. And then the other piece of this is, do we think they will make a trade uh, before the deadline? You know, I'll answer the second part of that. I, I feel like First of all, they kind of made their trade already, and that was back when they traded a fifth rounder for Ronnie Harrison. And I'm sure they're going to look, and I'm sure they're going to try and add somebody. But I also don't think this team is in the market to make a you know Super Bowl or bust type trade right now. And Everson Griffin, before we uh, came on, was just traded to the Lions. So, um, you know, I I think they'll look. I don't know if they'll do anything. I think they like having those draft assets, honestly. Um, and and as far as the scheme is concerned. I really just kind of feel like this team is sort of, they are who they are at this point. I mean, Joe Woods can cook some things up, but the reality is this defense is probably still an off season away from being exactly what they want it to be from a talent standpoint.
2: Yeah. I, I agree that Ronnie Harrison and Malcolm Smith are like, those are the two trades that are yeah, the two covers. acquisitions that have happened, you know, and if they, I mean, they're flying with those guys. (laughs) They finally got Ronnie Harrison on the field. So that's what they're going with.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I kind of agree with that. You know, I could see them adding a couple of, you know, guys that, you know, we may not have really heard of. I don't see them going out and renting an Anthony Harris from the Vikings for the last nine games of the season. I don't see anything like that happen happening. They're not going to give up draft picks and, and good compensation for a player that is what amounts to, again, a nine game rental, not happening. Now, if they can acquire someone or something that can help them down the stretch, fill a need, fill a hole, uh, and not have to give up too much for that person, maybe even swap a player or whatever, uh, then they'll do something like that. So I I see, you know, maybe they'll even try to find a a receiver. But again, it's not going to be probably a big name guy, probably not going to be somebody that we've ever you know, really heard that much about it would probably be somebody that can play a role and, and fill a need so uh, not expecting too much. I think more so what they're hoping is that the guys that they have right now are going to get a lot healthier they're still waiting for Harrison well you know Harrison's coming back and and getting better. Mac Wilson, uh, again I mentioned Olivier Vernon and I mentioned this yesterday I don't see him going through the bags with the same intensity that he did during training camp, I think he still is being a little bugged by the abdominal injury. So I think that's what they're hoping for. Get their guys healthier.
1: I I think the trades they would make would be one very similar to the Ronnie Harrison deal, right? Mm -hmm. Something, a low draft pick for a guy that they control for a little while you can find out who he is. He's young. Um, And again, the ceiling on that pick is, you know, maybe next year they're rolling with Ronnie Harrison and Grant Delpit at safety that's that's pretty good for a fifth round draft pick uh, to jacksonville so so i think those are the sorts of trades that you would be looking at all right this is a fun one uh, from the 405 area code who has more catches the rest of the season and i suppose you guys can add a name to this but here are the options uh, that this person gave us austin hooper harrison bryant jarvis landry richard higgins so Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant, Jarvis Landry, Richard Higgins—who has more catches over the last nine games? Do we think? It's so just
0: some good options.
2: I mean, <laughs> it's got to be Jarvis, right? I mean, you would think. If you take Jarvis out of that, then I think it's a better—it's it's a better question. But I would think Jarvis Landry is going to lead this team in and, and catches this year.
0: That, that was going to be my first instinct too. Um, I think that. Uh, once again, Jarvis has been suffering with what I, I believe is actually two ribs that are impacted by, you know, broken, crack, whatever. Um, so he is suffering from this very painful rib injury, but I do think that he will get more of the catches as they get the passing game cranked up and as he gets feeling a little healthier.
1: Okay, so, so let's take Jarvis out of the equation. These are the next four. So Jarvis has the most receptions on the team. Then it's Odell. These are the next four right now. Austin Hooper, uh, Kareem Hunt, Harrison Bryant, and Rashard Higgins. So it's basically the same group, except we're replacing uh, Jarvis with Kareem Hunt. Who do we think gets more receptions out of that group? I think I will go. I didn't actually answer the last one. I would have said Landry too. Um, I think I might go... I, I... part of me really wants to say Rashard Higgins just because of that connection uh but I, man I'm having trouble with this one
0: <laughs> and this is a tough one I,
1: and Hooper I don't know if Hooper's going to be healthy I think it's I think it could be Hunter Bryant and I, I think I'll go with Nick Chubb coming back I think I'll go with Harrison
2: Bryant I you know I I, think you make- I want to go with Rashard Higgins, but I think the key here is, is what they think about Kadero Hodge. You know, mm-hmm. um, we don't know what the role is going to be for him and whether or not Higgins played himself into some sort of uh, better role than he's had because of the, the Bengals game. Um, Kadero Hodge seems to understand that in order for him to be on the field, he needs to block. He even tweeted that earlier this year. Um, so I get the feeling they want to keep him in that kind of role. And maybe Higgins is the one who steps into uh, to Odell's spot. So I would say Higgins over this. I think I think whoever whoever becomes that number two quote unquote number two guy behind Landry as far as receivers go is going to have more catches than Austin Hooper.
0: And you know what, you guys, um, and, and let me know if you see it this way too. In the same way that I think Baker was kind of trying to find his chemistry with Odell, I still feel like he's going through that with Austin Hooper. You know, and I think it could possibly be a function of once again not having OTAs, not having preseason games, and trying to play catch-up, uh, and not really kind of knowing each other yet. Uh, so I think you know I would probably go with with Richard Higgins here just because of the natural chemistry, and I think that that Baker knows that a lot is at stake in these nine games, and I think he's going to go uh, to the place where he is you know feels really comfortable. A lot of the times, you know, if he has a choice between a little bit of, you know, being uncomfortable or more comfortable, I think he's going to go with, with the guy that he really likes a lot and knows is just kind of always there for him. Uh, having said that, I think they're going to have to get the tight ends involved a lot more with Odell out. I think we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see plenty of two tight ends. We'll see more three tight ends. Um, so it, it's hard to say because we don't know what defensive coordinators, as you mentioned earlier, Dan, how they're going to play these guys, and that will dictate some of this, but I'm going to go with comfort level, and that's, and he's like sort of his like security blanket, Richard is. I'm going with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, Richard is probably going to be the answer. I just, you know, we're seeing that connection grow with Harrison Bryant, and the one thing that has really stood out to me is regardless of sort of what's happened around him, Harrison Bryant has just sort of stayed in in the same role. He's clearly a guy they want to have on the field a lot. He's clearly a guy that they want to use a lot in the red zone. Um, And it does seem like, you know, with Baker, it does seem like he has to develop connections with guys. That's that's just sort of the quarterback he is. He has to develop a trust with a guy. And he doesn't, like you said, Mary Kay, he doesn't have that quite yet with Hooper. He obviously has that with Higgins. I think he's developing it uh, with Harrison Bryant. I think he's got it with Kareem Hunt, but Kareem Hunt's got to stop dropping the football. Um, you know, I, I, think those connections are there though. So, so that's going to be a, that's a good question. A, a very nice job there from our football insider subscriber. Okay. We'll take one more here. And this is just sort of a look ahead to the Raiders. And I'm curious, the approach, the Brown and this person wants to know the approach, the Browns will take here against Oakland. Do we expect them to attack the Raiders through the air? or will they stay on the ground against Oakland considering that the Raiders defense is not very good? What, what do you think we're going to see from the Browns? Because I think what's been fascinating about this season is you kind of don't always know game to game, how they're going to attack a team, you know, against Indianapolis, they come out and they throw 28 times in the first half Uh, against Dallas. They rush for 300 yards. I I think it says a lot about this coaching staff that they kind of look at these matchups and say, this is how we want to attack them. Um, How do you think they attack Oakland this week? I I think they will. um, I think they will throw the ball. I mean, Oakland doesn't create a lot of pressure. They don't create a lot of turnovers, but you can run the ball against them. We know Kareem Hunt, like I said, is a little bit banged up. So I think we might see a little bit of that short passing game um, come back this week.
0: I think... Balanced. I, I, I envision a balanced attack. Uh, I think that, you know, we saw they spread the ball around a lot against, you know, not a great defense against Cincinnati. And like you said, if there's not a lot of pressure, then Baker does a nice job in those situations where uh, he has time to throw and he doesn't have somebody right in his face uh, and he can get a little bit confident that way. Uh, So I think there will be opportunities to throw the ball and they're, they're going to need to throw the ball uh, because the Raiders can score. Derek Carr can get hot and uh, you know, they can score some points. So I think, uh, I think it will be balanced. I think the other thing to consider too real quick is that Kareem is still suffering from a rib injury himself. And, you know, that's kind of significant when you're trying to catch the ball, run the ball, run as fast as you possibly can. So I still think that, uh, that he needs the bye week until he can feel really good about, you know, just plowing right through there.
1: Also, I know I I think I said Oakland again, I'll put a dollar in the jar.
2: A dollar in the pot. (laughs) Yeah. I would expect the Browns to come out and just try to execute their, the game plan that we've, we've come to know them by. they're going to try to run it. And and we don't know if Wyatt Teller is going to be out there or not. I think Stomansky said he hasn't officially ruled him out uh, yet, but. You know, if they do have Wyatt Teller, and I think it's business as usual, and you know that you can pass on the Raiders, uh, it's really a lot like going against Dallas. I mean, I fully expect this game to be, uh, you know, the over/under to be like in the high sixties. <laughs> like there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game, and uh, but I would expect the Browns to come out and try to do what what they really want to do, and what we've seen them do in, in all their wins, and try to establish uh, their running game and, and show they can do that, and uh, while knowing that. Uh, they should be able to pass on the Raiders.
1: Yeah, I think we're in for a lot of points. Uh, both of these defenses are pretty low ranked. The, on the, the DVOA rankings that came out today, and they're both very low ranked against the pass. The Browns are 25th against the pass in DVOA. Las Vegas is 29th against the pass. The one thing that, that might change that approach for the Browns is we know Kevin Stefanski really values possession and controlling possession. So maybe he comes out and does run the ball a little bit and kind of tries to control the clock a little bit and and keep the ball uh, out of Derek Carr's hands and and the Raiders offense's hands, but expect a lot of points at first energy stadium on Sunday. It should be another shootout and probably pretty fun game. I'm excited for this one because this is a chance to sort of see the Browns go up against a team that really is kind of, you know, in in that just mess of teams fighting for those last two playoff spots. Uh, So this is a really important kind of early season game here. All right. Uh, Terry Pluto is coming up after the break. Scott and Mary Kay, thanks for the time. And now we welcome on Terry Pluto. Terry, how are you today?
3: I'm well, Dan.
1: Okay, well, the Browns winners on Sunday, 37 34. Let's uh, look, let's just start with Odell Beckham. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little about I don't bit want to start that with that. You don't want to start with that?
3: We will. But here's why.
1: Okay, that's I was fair.
3: thinking about something. I've gotten a couple fans that are not happy about the Browns winning. And because the Bengals aren't a good team or whatever, and I because I, I don't follow this, what was the spot on that game?
1: Three and a half.
3: So if you bet the, were Browns, the Browns, you were lost,
1: favored by three and a half.
3: So if you bet the Browns, you lost,
1: yes, because of the missed extra points. Ah,
3: that I really think is what is uh, behind all that. We could now <laughs> go on to the next, but is this one I just got finished reading a couple of these going excuse me what's going on <laughs> and then it i was thinking wasn't a spot like three or something so because i don't right. bet these things don't pay attention all I right now we can do odell beckham but i just want, I, so by the way if you're unhappy out there because you bet the wrong team uh, that's on you well I, I
1: believe joe burrow has covered every game so far
3: Ooh.
1: I, I think I, I that might still be the stat uh it certainly holds up if it did you no. know what though Yes, I, I, you've changed my mind. I do want to start someplace else because I think okay. you, you bring up something really interesting. And that is okay. the, that is the, well, it's just the bangles, right? Yes. Um, and on one hand, okay, I get that. It is just the bangles and their defense stinks right. and, and whatever else. And they've only won one game, but at the same time, the Browns needed to win this game and they needed that performance from Baker Mayfield. And I think you'll take whatever you can get at this point. And go from there, especially after that Steelers game. Browns
3: fans are not entitled to have an elitist or arrogance attitude (laughs) about their team beating, losing teams because they used to lose to those teams. And I mean, it's a very basic concept. The way you go from bad to good is you begin to beat the other bad teams. I mean, you don't go from not having had a winning season since when, Dan?
1: 2007.
3: To the Super Bowl in 2020 you just don't and the, and the remember we're not talking about teams that some of those teams get stuck in eight and eight nine and seven seven and nine um you know or they get stuck you know they have a ten and six then they then they drop back and then they go this team could not win more than seven games for 13 years okay it, Last was year, to to
1: the, it was hard to get to seven
3: Yes. Last year they were six and 10. You know, we keep going back, you know, the two years before that one and 31 and then it was people forgetting before Sasha Brown got there, they were a rip-roaring three and 13. So with the oldest or I'm sorry, the highest paid defense in the league that year too, it was <laughs> sort of a strange thing. The Browns do stuff like that. So my point being in two years, yeah, it's just the Bengals, but don't tell me in the past, the Browns were a lock to win that game.
1: Well, let let me throw two things here at you. The first is there isn't a league, there isn't a professional league that's more reliant on the schedule than the NFL. Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: if you've got a schedule like the Browns have this year, you better take advantage of it. The the other piece of that is we talk about beating the Bengals going back to that 2007 season. What loss essentially kept the Browns out of the playoffs that year?
3: That wasn't in Cincinnati. You know, I was oh. at that game. The wind's blowing 9,000 miles an hour. I remember Phil Savage is a friend of mine, too. The GM said, well, they're driving up to the park, and the bus is rocking in the wind. <laughs> and Rob Chizinski, who basically had been a very good offensive coordinator that year, but remember, they rolled the arm of Derek Anderson. Right. Well, he comes out, and, you know, it's Air Derek, and it's, the ball is being aired out. It's like, you know, flying over to Kentucky and everywhere else at that game. And you're correct. That cost them uh, a chance to go to the playoffs and many other, we have, we don't have any other stories like that because none of the teams are even good enough to have a game where you blew the playoffs. Yeah. I I mean, think about that since 1999, they came back. I mean, the only other year they made the playoffs was 2001 and they had a big win at the end of the year over Atlanta uh, to get in. And the rest of the time, there were no discussions of the play playoffs, you know that whole thing. There were none, so I'm not throwing these things out because I have seen in the past how Browns teams, uh, they don't just lose one to one or two bad teams. Almost like four of them. Who was that guy in Denver that beat the Browns? Allen, Brandon, somebody? Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen, yeah, there was a big one, and mm-hmm. and, the, and the duck, and we could just go down the line with all these different quarterbacks and things where the Browns have lost. So, you know, that's my, really my contention is that, you know, I don't care if it was by three points or whatever uh, they needed to win. And then to your point, Dan, you should
1: kind of flush this out. It was a huge
3: game in many ways.
1: Well, and you know, you're five and two and that gives you, you know, last year they got off to that just awful start and, and the schedule was difficult and everything was a mess, but you had no room for error. You know, so you you go to Arizona and you lose, and that's basically it. You know, this year you're you're five and two, you've got winnable games coming up, but if you trip up against Philly or if Deshaun Watson just goes off and and you lose that game, you've got a little room for error now. I I mean it could be Sunday to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
3: I mean we kind of throw out that last game with Vegas because they had everybody with the whole offensive line was quarantined or something and and that, but my point. There is, yeah, you, you started right. They had to get Baker squared away because I was sitting with you in that press box and watching him that first quarter going, is this guy just gonna be you know sinking and not gonna be able to find him or what?
1: Right. And and I, I think everyone, if they're being honest, was probably thinking this guy has a cracked rib, he hasn't completed a pass in the quarter maybe I need to sit him down just to give this team a chance to, to breathe until, you know, Yeah, maybe get him, he's get hurt. him a little healthier. It, it was you know. strange.
3: It was like he had a wounded duck for that first pass. It was intercepted. Then he started firing laser beams over everybody's head. <laughs> and then in the second quarter he comes out and it's like, you know, it's 2018 at his best or he's Oklahoma playing Texas tech or something. I mean, he was having a grand old time, but he wasn't just firing the ball over the place. I mean, you could tell he was going to passes where, I mean, some the windows might have been a little tight, but they were they were good choices he was making in the pocket and where to go with the ball. You didn't see it going in a double coverage or that kind of stuff.
1: Right. So Odell Beckham obviously lost for the year. Yes. Um, this is going to be a, a point of discussion, I think, for all week. I, I think there's going to be people out there that you know make the case that maybe Baker has been better without Odell. Maybe he forces the ball to Odell too much. I'm in the camp that when you have Odell Beckham on the field, it makes the defense do things that they won't have to do. Um, The question is what does the offense do? Right. It concerns me a little bit that they don't have a real deep threat now uh, without Odell Beckham. This is going to be a challenge, I think, for this coaching staff. The scheme Mm -hmm. is going to matter a lot here.
3: And and the big thing I do think, the guy they're going to miss is Chubb. See, Mm -hmm. Chubb was your huge play guy in the backfield and talk about perfect for Stefanski system that was Chubb and the Chubb Hunt thing was something I have never seen in Cleveland. You keep, you know, one guy comes out, the other one comes in and your client, you know, Kareem Hunt, I think he is playing with some banged up ribs or something too. Uh, he's not, his burst isn't like normal. Uh, so that's a, that's a big issue, but we'll, we'll have, this will be interesting to look at the next few games and see but, you know, as you mentioned about the schedule, just because – is Houston not won a game or they won one? I forgot they've what won. is. They've
1: won one game.
3: Yeah. Deshaun Watson can beat you. Carson Wentz can beat you with Philadelphia, you know. And here's a key part. Last year I looked after eight games. The Browns were two and six. And if you go into the break at six and two, what that does – it. It gives your guys motivation to play hard in those last eight games where for players not sure if he should play or not with an injury, Hey, we're in a playoff thing. You know, I'm going to go for it. Whereas if not forget it, I'm, you know, I'm not going to practice hard, all that. I, I just think a good start is imperative in the NFL because um, it's such a physical lead. It beats these guys up physically and emotionally. That had come the second half of the season. That's why the Browns for so years were so bad in November and December. Because they were, they were the they already the door to the season was closed in the minds of many of the players there.
1: Well, so, you know, especially for a team that hasn't done it. Yeah. You, know, you look at a team like Philadelphia, you know, they're banged up, they're off to a bad start, but this is a team that has gotten hot late in the season and, and made a mm-hmm. run. Um, yeah, I don't think it's and they sit happen.
3: there and they go, our division stinks. Right, See, that's exactly. a key thing, too. You know, we're, the location, it's like a restaurant so used to be before we had when we had restaurants that you could go <laughs> eat. You know, location, location, location. Well, the location of being in their division is like two wins. Hey, we're, we're not out of this at all. And so that's, that's why every game for them, you know, will be big. And I, I anticipate they're going to play well against the Browns. I think Houston will play well. Romeo comes back. I think Houston's going to play well. So they'll have to re- – uh, you know jump up in the fact we got to accept the fact with this defense there's not going to be blowouts for the Browns you know the Browns are going to keep both teams in the game the Browns are, offense is going to keep them them in the game the defense is going to keep the opposing team in the game
1: all right well th- this game is is a really interesting game coming up because I think Las Vegas is the team that's right um, they're kind of in that that group of teams with the Browns you know kind of in. Yeah. Below the top tier of the AFC, fighting for that those last two playoff spots, I think we're in for another shootout. Uh, I actually just before I came on with you, I, I finished watching that um, the Bucks Raiders game. Tell me about it because I, I was curious. I just saw the highlights. Yeah, I mean their defense is not very good. They, they don't force a lot of turnovers. They don't get a lot of pressure. I mean they're they're better than Cincinnati, but um, they, they don't do a lot on that defensive side. But on the other side, they don't turn the ball over a lot. They have fumbled. Mm-hmm. You know, their giveaways have been mostly fumbles, but Derek Carr is not going to throw the ball to you very often. His one interception in that game was off the hands of one of his receivers. Um, I think he's thrown two all year. So, you know, this could be another kind of shootout-type game because I think the Raiders can probably do some things offensively uh, that will give the Browns some trouble. And, you know, Derek Carr gets rid of the ball quick. He's accurate. Not a ton downfield, but they do have some speed. It'll be an interesting game, I think.
3: Dan name a team the Browns have played whose offense didn't create big problems for the Browns defense, that's maybe crazy. Washington,
1: that but even they point. put up, even Washington had the lead, in but, the but they put up 20 points. <laughs> yeah. The, the defense is certainly an issue. And I, you know, I think that's the most concerning thing coming out of the Bengals game. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, they, they just could not stop. Now if Terrence Mitchell makes that interception, maybe it's a slightly different story, Right, but, but still, even with that, that I mean, was right so in hard front hard. of us, so that fourth down
3: play there on the goal line. You know, remember that right towards the end of the fourth quarter? Because right. of where we were situated in the press box, that's right in front of us. And I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, they haven't made a defensive stand all year. They've made key turnovers. They've created key turnovers. But just the fourth, wasn't their
1: fourth and one or whatever it was? You know, just stop somebody? Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the issue in this. I don't know if the Raiders are going to give you um, a bunch of turnover opportunities here. Yes. So, so I think that's, that's, that's part point. of what makes it interesting um, because this is sort of a boom or bust defense right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Now, I would take Joe Burrow over, over uh, Derek Carr, but Derek Carr is a good quarterback. He's going to complete passes and he's going to move the team.
3: They have more of a system. It seems like with Burrow, they're just playing backyard ball. You know, the penny. There's, <laughs> he's averaging 41 passes a game going into that game. I forgot how many he threw against the Browns. They throw almost 50 or something. It's just, uh, and they're and they're running this guy. Out. You know, remember I was starting to go crazy. Why are they having this guy sneak the ball? You know, six foot four quarterback. You just get his legs taken right out from under him. So I don't know exactly what kind of offense they thought they were running other than Roddy Burrow. Now you're going to see something pretty systematic. I'm assuming. Did it look like that when you were watching? Uh, uh, yeah. I started to say Oakland, but Las Vegas.
1: <laughs> I, know, I know. I'm going to do that all week. Yeah. I mean, it, you you can see that they have a system. They have things they want to do. I mean, look, the Bengals didn't have Joe Mixon on Sunday. They, they yeah. lost their left tackle. They lost their center in that game. Um, I mean, they are kind of just cobbling things together and, and just riding Joe Burrow's arm right now. But um, the, the Raiders definitely That's have.
0: That's the NFL.
3: They always say that is the NFL. You know, yeah. you, the one guy you don't want to lose is your quarterback. You lose your quarterback, you're in huge trouble. Receivers, running backs, linemen, um, about every other team is going to deal with that. I mean, right now, so the Browns have been have been without Chubb. Now they're without Odell. Um, they played a couple of games without Conklin, and then a couple of games, at least one game without Conklin. Now it's, what, two or three without Teller. Yeah. Yeah. And then you look at uh, on defense, they've well some guys we've never even seen like Reedy Williams and Delpit, so I don't know what to make of that. Um, and so it's uh, uh, that's how it is. You, you know, the really good team they obviously say next man up, and and but that is the, the sense of the league, and that's why you're supposed to the wise front offices construct their rosters so that yeah, there's going to be a drop off where the guy would be starting, but it isn't like this guy is just hopeless out there when you put him in.
1: Now, I'm curious, would you, is there a situation where you would make a move to bring in a wide receiver, a trade for a wide receiver?
3: Only a younger guy, somebody like that, I wouldn't go for some big name. I just wouldn't. I want to see what, I want to see what they've got with these guys. Um, I think his name is Moffitt. Isn't he an undrafted receiver that they have on the practice squad or somewhere? Uh right, Moffitt
1: so. is the Moffitt is the safety I believe. Okay. I we'll have
3: to look him up as we're talking. In fact, go and do that. Uh it's a guy they gave like $60,000 to to bring him in as an undrafted free agent. He's a more of a possession receiver. And um I forgot what school he went to. It was one of the like Louisiana Lafayette or Liberty or somewhere like that.
1: Um do you see it? Do you see him there? Uh, um I know, I know they but, like I, I know Moffitt Moffitt is a safety that they called up okay. in the practice squad. I'm that's looking one. at re- I'm looking at receivers. They have DeMarcus yeah. Bra- Oh, DeMarcus Bradley, is who you're thinking of.
3: Yes, that's who it is. From Louisiana
1: Louisiana Lafayette 64. Yeah,
3: that was the guy. Yeah, excuse me on Moffitt, but that's the guy. They liked him. Um and so we may see somebody like that come up. I mean, look, Diamond Peoples made some plays. Um I have to admit, I don't want to go back to they brought in you know, superstar receiver and how many times is he getting the ball? I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't <laughs> want to hear it. I'm tired of it. Uh, I want to see how the ball is moved around to everybody. And the nice thing, you know, my, probably my favorite player on the Browns after Richard, I really do like Jarvis too, because, you know, he is more of a high profile player, but you don't hear him complaining or, or even that aura around him, you got to get Jarvis the ball. You got to get Jarvis the ball. I mean, that's not – I think he went off in the sidelines one, once last year, but that was – everybody was going off in the
1: sidelines. <laughs> but that's sort of who Jarvis Jarvis is a, a competitive guy. He gets fiery. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the days when we used to be allowed to go in the locker rooms after games, um, you know, you, you could always – tell. like you wouldn't even need to have watched the game. Just yeah. put Jarvis in the locker room and you'd have known if they won or lost. He's, he's just that kind of guy. Um, there's, there's just certain guys like that person. Well, what I, what I like about Jarvis, and I I said this on yesterday's pod, what I like about him is this is a guy that came here, you know, got paid big money. Mm-hmm. But again, you couldn't tell if you watch him play. No. He still plays like a guy that hasn't gotten paid yet. Still still plays like a guy that's kind of fighting for for every every cent I mean, out there. I mean, he's got his cash. He broke a rib. He should have said, I need a week off. Right. I mean, I'm just, I, I broke
3: a, actually, I broke a rib and man, for three or four weeks, it was, it was miserable. It really was. And uh, it does, I mean, it goes, there's nothing much that they could do about it, but you don't feel like even moving. So yeah, you're you right. He plays you that way.
2: You can't
1: do. But, I, can't do but I,
3: on the stuff on the sidelines, Dan, I was somebody I know who knows him one, well, they said what you do with Jarvis is like once in a while, you know, the, the volcano erupts, you listen to him, you got to get in, you know, and then that. Okay, Jarvis, are you okay now? And then he goes and sits down, and he's back up in a minute. I'm ready to go. You know, In other words, there's no lingering impact to this. It's just the emotion coming out. And he wants to play every down. And,
1: and he'll, he'll do block. anything. He'll carry he'll the block, ball. He'll do the block. whatever. I mean, the guy's, I mean, the guy's got a broken rib, and he's carrying the
3: football. Yeah, I mean, the old smart, tough, accountable that they want. Well, that's him. That's That's the guy – they want, and I, I know that as a personality they want for this team and, uh, and, and also, you know, back there is like no diva is, is kind of it too. And I have to admit, I just, I just couldn't buy an Odell. I struggled with it the whole time. You know that. And I just, I thought there was just too much extra stuff that wasn't worth, even though he was very talented. Now watch Odell get better from his knee and go somewhere else and, and maybe be terrific. Although boy, what a tough injury for a receiver ACL. I
1: know. And and this is a guy that has had some injury issues kind of starting to pile up back to, back to the giants. I mean, the one thing about Odell is it seems like this guy's a good teammate. He's reliable. Um, you know, you, you put up with some antics, you put up with some, yeah. with some things on the sideline, but again, too, I do think you lose something when you have a guy that, or you had a guy that you could give the football to on a busted end around and he turns it mm-hmm. into a 50 yard touchdown. I agree. You definitely are going to, at some point this season, it might not be this week. It might not be for a few weeks. At some point this season, you're going to miss Odell Beckham.
3: Yeah, you will. And then, then what we will not be able to measure is what were the benefits of when Baker was just playing and not worrying about right. getting the ball to Odell. See that that that's hard to measure. I mean, in the end, it's scoreboard. Did you win? Did you lose? I mean, that's, that's really the, you want to put together um, a team that uh, basically scores more points than the other. This sounds very elementary, but it's not fantasy ball. See a lot of times we're wired for fantasy. Um, it, it was like the, the reason I kept saying we patients needed with Baker and I would drop into the uh, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo thing. Like those guys are not loved by the fantasy people. But all their teams do is win a ton of games. Will they win a Super Bowl? I don't know, but they got two teams there and they're running similar offenses. I watched some of the game last night with the Rams, and that looks, that some of that stuff looked real familiar to me, you know, on what, what, what uh, Kevin is running. And, and fine. So set your quarterback up so it isn't all on his shoulders. All right. The Browns were kept saying they needed a game or Baker had to go win it. He won it. So we're past that
1: one. And that's going to be good for him, too. And that actually is an interesting comparison because the Rams do it. I mean, they do it a little differently than the Browns, but there is a lot of, you know, a lot of the motion, the rollouts, create easy throws. They just do it with with kind of quicker. Quicker, smaller guys than the the Browns do it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, look, Mm -hmm. the thing about it is if you have your this is the decision you always have to make with Baker. You know, maybe he's not going to be you know, that superstar number one pick quarterback. But at the same time, if you have a guy that you can trust that you can send out there every week and he's reliable and he's tough and he can win a game for you every now and again, like he did on Sunday, that's that's a good thing too. And he is, like you said, I think tough
3: and durable. This guy's not missed a start since he took over. Um, and a lot of quarterbacks, you know, we'll see how they're letting Joe Burrow get beat up, you know, how long that lasts and some of these mm-hmm. others. Um, so I think that's for him but the main thing is the Rams have been running that stuff for I don't know three years now or whatever it is that, uh, uh, Sean's been there uh, I still think that Stefanski like say the playbook you know think of a 300 page book they're like on page 88 right. of of going through and learning what this offense can do in that so um, I'm yeah, that's why I'm very encouraged. I mean, I admit the defense scares me to death. That ball went in the end zone. I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, at the end of the game, the Hail Mary. Uh, by the way, I've gotten some emails on that. What did you think? Did the defense mess up
1: on that? It sounds like, I mean, this is what I don't know if you heard what, what Kevin said on Monday, uh, but he said that I guess they weren't sure that Burrow could get the ball into the end zone. So they were sort of playing for. They didn't rush. They were kind of playing for a bunch of laterals.
3: Yes, and so then that's what Cincinnati comes
1: out and throws the hail mary, and Sheldon yeah. Redwine is in the right place at the right time, right in front of. Otherwise, than that, or we might be having a very different discussion.
3: Well, I saw there was a game, and I was at the game by the end zone because this is back in the old days when Palmer was Chris Palmer was coaching and playing in Pittsburgh, and you have to go down the field at the end to get into the locker room. So. The Browns are losing. I forgot what it was, but um class play of the game. Tim Couch fires one some long leaping thing into the end zone. For a guy who caught it might have been Kevin Johnson or somebody catches it. Remember, this is like either ninety nine or two thousand.
1: Tim Couch had a couple and, of those, I thought.
3: Yeah. But anyway, so they win on this um, you know, this long thing. Dwight Clark was the GM back then. He's running around, he's he's hugging writers and kissing them. I got kissed on the top of my bald head by Dwight Clark. And, you know, he's grabbing. But it was, it was one of those, but it looked the same thing. I'm sitting there going, I flashback to that, not the kiss, but I just thought of it as we're talking. But the, uh, you know, the ball in the air, and it feels like it's up there forever, and everybody's hovering around. You're thinking, this is a 50-50 shot at where this thing ends up. But I wondered
1: the same yeah. thing, too. There was zero rush. So they were, they were worried about the laterals. Right. I, I think they underestimated Joe Burrow's arm a little bit. Yeah. Um, Hopefully they don't you know, he, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't done a ton getting the ball down the field necessarily, but you know, I am curious though. I know that we're, we're talking Browns, but I do want to know what you think of Burrow.
2: You've I seen think twice now. Yeah, I
1: think he's he's the next great thing coming if they don't get him killed.
3: Yeah. I mean, really. And that's, that's a big issue. Uh, not that Tim couch, had all the abilities of Joe Burrow, but he was a tall guy and pretty good athlete and all. And I've known Couch for quite a while and talked and he says, Yeah, I mean, think by the time Tim Couch got to be 26 years old, he's done. He had shoulder and knee and neck and back and surgeries and stuff we didn't even know about because of all the beating he took. And you can't let a franchise guy do that. And You know, I think he would have been sacked 24 – he'd been sacked 24 times um, going into that game with the Browns, and they got him a couple times and got him hard, too. It isn't like a lot of times this guy, the sacks come and they start to duck under it or whatever. He's got to – they've got to protect him. But otherwise, shoot, his vision and all the stuff they say about him, it's true. I mean, he just seems to know what he wants to do back there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just keep going back to that throw he made after he took – he took the sack at the end of the first half yeah. and then he, Yeah, it was the very next play. He just fires a ball into traffic. To, I think it was Tyler Boyd for a touchdown. I mean, that's, that's the kind of situational throw that, you know, just so much about that throw was like, wow, this, this guy's got mm-hmm. something. Um, I mean, right uh, now it's, four fa- to watch.
3: yeah, you look at, and then you have, uh, you got four fascinating quarterbacks, they're all different in the, yeah. uh, in the North, but at least now uh, i mean i think we all could have a sigh of relief about baker that we weren't going to watch him turn into you know i don't know who I, I don't know where that was going and because it went on for two quarters in gets indianapolis and three quarters of pittsburgh before he got pulled and one quarter in cincinnati uh so and and that was alarming and and, and before that he had thrown nine touchdown passes compared to two interceptions in like the first 18 quarters and like that guy disappeared, this guy who was lost showed up, and then that guy disappeared, and both of those, and suddenly a Baker of 2018. Um, so, I'm again, this will be good to see. And, you know, we saw also that uh, the offensive line got his act back together. Can you imagine yeah. what that practice probably was like on Wednesday where remember Callahan talked about yeah. he got had a bad pass. practice because he did not like how they
1: blocked in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was not a particularly fun week, but, you know, again, going back to how we started this thing, you're supposed to beat the Bengals, you beat the Bengals, yeah. if you're a team that wants to make the playoffs and, and you're facing a one-win team to get right, the Browns got right against them, that, that's what you do, and now we'll, we'll kind of see what happens here over the next month or so. I w- the, the playoff chase really starts after Thanksgiving, so what they can mm-hmm. do here over the next few weeks is kind of set this thing up, try and get healthy over the bye week. And then you make your run, starting with probably that Tennessee game in December.
3: It's probably, if you think, I, I'm not sure on, on Chubb, but apparently it's not awful. So you don't play him this week, you rest him through the bye week, and then you take a look and see where he's at. And even, even if you take another week after that, uh, you still haven't looked for the last seven games. Yeah. And, and just the fact, look, every time you fake the ball to Nick Chubb, you want to talk about defensive coordinators <laughs> staying up at night. That guy does because they talked about the home run hitter as a receiver. That's true. But he is a home run hitter as a running back because all of a sudden, you know, he's in a pack of guys
1: and then he's just out and nobody can catch him. Yeah, well, once he gets to the second level, you're in trouble.
3: Now we'll have to see how he is with the knee because knees are always a concern. Um, what do you think of People's Jones? I mean, he
1: had his, a great coming out party, but I, I have no—I had no opinion of him. I mean, I'm intrigued. I—I've I, been—I've been disappointed with him as a returner. He yeah. looked—I mean, he looks sluggish as a returner. Like I, I haven't know seen that—that that,
3: that, that speed. I was told um, by somebody, as they say, on the inside, that with People's Jones, what they've been stressing to him is possession, catch it, run it don't fumble it. And they think that might be part of the reason that he maybe looks a little timid, but at this
1: point, and I guess he, he only did punts in college, I believe. I, I don't think, think he did. I think it. so. He might've had like a kickoff return or two in college, but it was, yeah, but
3: that's, fun. but really they've been just do the same. Didn't uh, what did um, Stefanski call him like Mr. Reliable or something? Yeah. That was interesting for a rookie.
1: I think it's a credit to the coaching staff that you've had. You know, Richard Higgins, who was inactive, Donovan and Peoples Jones, who was inactive. Mm. You've had guys, you know, I mean, David Njoku makes a huge touchdown catch, right? I mean, you have guys that, you know, by all accounts, some of them could get really, you know, they could complain, they could get bitter that they aren't on the field. And then, but when their number's been called, they've stepped up and made plays.
3: Uh, you know, how the receivers uh, unprompted mention O'Shea, the, uh, uh, the the receiving coach. Yeah. And he's been an offensive coordinator before and he's got a Belichick background too. And so that could have something to do. That's the other thing this person mentioned to me about like peoples, right. I said that is that he is very good at, at, you know, how the Patriots prepare their guys to play. And he's brought a lot of that to here. Now, Adam Henry, the receivers coach that was here was also considered to be very good too, but it just seems like last year, I don't care if you're a good coach or bad coach, everything was chaotic. So uh, yeah, it it's was almost <laughs> like an asterisk to anybody next to anybody else's Navy besides Freddy's.
1: It's, it's pretty incredible how different different things feel uh, under this staff, for sure. It's
3: just like they still have had, I don't know, maybe there's been once or twice this year where we've seen Baker go the line after call timeout because something was messed up. I mean, that was like every yeah. game. And the legal motion and all
1: that garbage, it's gone. And, and I try not to read too much into some of this stuff. You know, those, those videos teams will put out on their social accounts, the post-game speeches and things like that. Uh, but, but if you get a chance, if you haven't, the Browns put out what Stefanski said in the locker room after the game. And I just, I thought it was really interesting. His focus was on, you know, enjoy this one. But he, I think he said, I think he mentioned the Raiders two or three times. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had this team looking forward already in the moments after that game. And I think, you know, again, sometimes you can read too much into that stuff, but, you know, you can pick up little little things and then just his focus on getting to the next game and getting this team, you know, not thinking about the bye just yet, but like focus on this week. And then I think he said he'll take care of them at the bye week if, if they do that. Um, but, but kind of keeping that focus moving forward they've been
3: able to do that because that was a big thing. Andrew Berry wanted to get rid of was the um, when you lose in Pittsburgh, then it, then you lose at Cincinnati the next week, you lose two games on one afternoon um, and you don't, and that means because your mindset is not ready to go after that. And twice wow. now Stefanski has been able to get these guys back together. And at that point, You know, unless unless you're betting the game, Dan. I mean, (laughs) otherwise, you just want the Browns to win, whether it's by one or whatever, so that uh, you don't have that, man, we got hammered by Pittsburgh and then we blew it at the end of the Bengals. That's what you don't want because that spirals you downward. Now it's like, okay, we got past the Bengals, five and two, Vegas, bring them on. Yep. But don't bet this game. Stop. (laughs)
1: All right, Terry, I think I've probably kept you here uh, long enough. Uh, everyone, make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast feed wherever you listen to your podcasts. And head over to cleveland.com Browns uh, and click that blue banner at the top of the page to check out Football Insider and get yourself subscribed. Terry, thanks for the time. Thanks a lot, Dan.